Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cloud-Based Mayhem. First, I must apologize. A week behind on this one. Been late a bit lately, especially this fall. And I promise we will get caught up. But I just had two back-to-back events that I was organizing and meet directing the Red Rocks Wide Open and then the X-Red Rocks. And in between, some furious building going on here uh, before winter comes. So, yeah, it's all been fast and furious and kind of over the top. But I haven't forgotten about you all. And we're going to get back to the style of putting these out on time. So I apologize for the delay. But... This one will be worth it. My guest today is Tim Roaches, very long time test pilot for Nivik. In fact, in fact, did his first testing for Nivik uh, on the Coyote when he was 12 years old. His dad's a pilot, has a school, still has a school down in Barcelona. He now lives in Verbier. Tim and I became friends years ago through Nivik, of course, but um, he, very accomplished World Cup pilot and He's also been getting really into hike and fly in the last few years and doing the Borns and the Verco. And he's been supporting Tangi Renaud Good, who was another uh, one of the Niviak pilots and future ex Alps pilot. He just found out he's in this year in the 2023 20, race. And so he and Tangi came over for the ex Red Rocks when they joined Aaron Duragati and Patrick Von Cannell. And came across the pond and uh, had a really fun few days of racing. And then those two went off and toured around the West and had some amazing flights in Zion and Moab and uh, had some really stunning footage and stuff. So I've been watching that since the race on on his feed on Instagram and stuff, but been wanting to catch up with Tim and do a show with him and talk SIV and testing and designing. He's also designed a lot of the Niviac harnesses. Uh, for a long time and this was finally an opportunity to do so. We tried this over the last few days and just kept having terrible connections, but tonight worked really well. So again, apologies for the delay and enjoy this talk with Tim Roaches, who's gonna be supporting Tangi in the X Alps. He supported him this year in the X Pier as well. So those guys are uh, getting their groove on for the big show. Enjoy, cheers. Tim, awesome to finally get you on the mayhem. We've been struggling with the uh, internet and stuff, but that's for good reasons. I was I was uh, traveling after the X Red Rocks, and you and Tangi have been looks like having a lot of fun. And so I thought, you know, for those listening who don't know uh, what you've been up to, what have you been Tang you and Tangi been up to the last couple weeks over here in the U.S. of A. Yeah, yeah, it was so nice. We we did the competition last week, and this week we traveled around all the Utah state, and it was so nice to fly around and to discover a new place and so many beautiful landscape around here. And this was both of your first trip, right, to the U.S.? Yeah, it was our first time in U.S., and yeah, so it was really nice to to travel around. What what would you? What were the biggest differences, I guess? You know, I remember picking you guys up in Salt Lake to go down to the X Red Rocks. Yeah. It seemed like you were both kind of blown away by the just the vastness. You know, Utah's bigger than the UK. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's it's kind of a country on its own. It's a pretty pretty big place, but was that what was the what was the thing that, you know, uh, really what will you take home with you that was 
uh, maybe not expected. What we we surprises it's because everything is bigger. You see the car, you see the truck, you see the road. Everything is much bigger than what we are used to. The the, the valley and yeah, what. I'm really impressed is also about what we can see from one place to another. We are in Monroe. It's like you have the feeling to be in Canada and then you go around Moab and it's like the desert and you go again mm. more in the south close to Zion and it's totally different. So in, okay, it's big distances, but it's not so huge and you have totally different landscapes and it's just amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty good playground, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, the colors this year, they're always like that. But, uh, you know, I've been going down to that Monroe area for the fly-in for a bunch of years. And then we just started the X Red Rocks last year. And then this year, before you guys came, we had the wide open, the Red Rocks wide open, which is uh, our nationals, uh, one of our nationals events, and also a pre-PWC. And both of them had tough weather. It was quite an unusual September. Usually September is pretty reliable, but... It was, uh, it's, I'm just blown away with the colors and the, the, the possibilities. They're just huge. Yeah. It's your end of September or even beginning of October. And we did like two times in the week, more than 5,000 meters altitude. And (laughs) the first day that you drive us from the airport, we didn't sleep for 24 hours. We arrived in Monroe. We, you drive us to take off at six and we, we went up to 5,000 meters in less than 10 minutes. It was just crazy. <laughs> just to chill at the end of the day, super high and go down for, for, the, for the meeting uh, before the competition. It was far. Okay, we arrived. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. Just yeah. to give you guys a pin on the map, drive you up to launch and give you yeah. a pin and say, hey, land here and <laughs> we'll hear Aaron's. I think Aaron was presenting that yeah. night, Aaron Durigati. And so that, everybody was looking up at the sky and you guys just landed in the parking lot. That was, that was yeah, a was very so nice. cool introduction, I think. Yeah, really, really. So I guess you'll be back. Yeah, for sure. I, next year we will be back for for more more travel and to try to fly more around this place because we discover something but we have also new new ideas and we want to push a bit more on some place cool um tell me about the race from your perspective you know you supported tangy in the in the x-peer and he's mm-hmm. you know i think will be announced here shortly i think we can say this now that yeah. he's in the x alps so you'll be supporting him in the x alps you mm-hmm. guys have been kind of a team for a while now but you've also competed in the borns and done other comps too how would you compare what we do over here with what you've done in europe um first what i like um I came to to this kind of competition at the beginning because I knew that I would like to be a supporter of Tangi for the X-Alp. But before to be a supporter, I want to know uh, what is inside. Uh, So that's why last year I started to make some competition of I Can Fly. And I've seen different kind of competition like Born to Fly. We did also the... um, the Vercofly that was quite different. It was like more course around some huts in the mountains, so without assistance. And also something uh, in Dubai was was also different. Uh, it was more like we had last week, uh, one race uh, each day. And yeah, what I like on this kind of race of 
what we had last week in the X Red Rock. It's like you can come and like it's one day one race without assistance. Um, it's easier. I mean, for if you want to race, you can come and you can make the race and you can. Yeah, it's easier for organization on our yeah. side as as pilot. And what I like last week, it was um, it was not in in Dubai. It was shorter short race. I mean, every day. And uh, this week it was more like a real I can fly race on mm. each day, uh, and we tried to to use the complete day every day. Uh, but even according to the forecast, because we not had every day good condition, but we managed to to do something nice on the complete day. So mm. yeah, that's why I I liked uh, also to have something on one day. But uh, using the complete day, so it was cool. It was really cool. the The last day, uh, yep. James Elliott won. He made it into goal, and and Aaron Duragati wasn't far behind him. And they were there was only a few of them, Tangi and and a few others that were able to get back in the air at the end of the day and have this amazing glass off kind of ridge run flight. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty wild to be sitting at goal and you know, the emotions of James Elliott winning that day and, and mm. Lanny was so excited. And then Aaron coming in and landing and saying it was one of the best flights of his life. You know, yeah. Aaron's been at this for a while. That was that was really special as a meet organizer to just see the the stoke on all of your faces because it was hard. It was, you know, that physically yeah. this year was quite a bit harder than the year before just because the weather was, was pretty, pretty tough. Mm-mm. No, it was even if the condition were quite difficult for sure we we worked a lot uh i'm not used to work that and i'm not as trained as the others but uh, yeah for sure it was super hard but it was always interesting because yeah you had to it was never finished uh on my side but i i, I tried not to do everything on the last day i was a bit tired uh, but I was sure that it was nearly impossible to go to the end. But in the end, they managed to do it. So it was yeah, a yeah. crazy day, and they did a huge flight at the end, and they managed to go to the goal. So it was so nice. How much of your time, you know, being a test pilot for Niviak and a designer for Niviak, and you know, I know that's your your main work, but also very accomplished world cup pilot you know you you're obviously flying a ton and i want to talk more about being a test pilot and what that involves because i think people would be very curious about that but yeah. how much of your time right now is just spent with tangy and getting ready for the x alps and getting ready for these events because i know that you know now it's with the announcement and mid-october you know by this point i was always pretty serious in training for the x-ops and i know you guys are taking this pretty seriously so what's what's kind of the next nine i guess a little less than nine months look like for you guys now um we have few axes uh first we because yes we have also the xl preparation uh for him uh, but we also are on the on the world cup events so um, the next one will be the super final that will be in Mexico in December. And this com- kind of co- competition, even if it's not the same, uh, I mean, same competition, it's help us training uh, because we will fly a lot. We will 
try to be as efficient as possible in flight. And this is something that can be, I mean, for me, uh, very helpful uh, to, to train uh, in flight. So um, at least for him, it will be very important, but also for me, because I, I also see always flying. Uh, we can train more or less together when we are flying in competition. And uh, yeah, this is the first step. And then after we will have, have for sure, few few months of uh, of checking the routes, few months of, um, I don't know when they will announce it, but I think it's around March. But when yeah, we will... When we have the route, we will need to to travel around the the Alps and to to check the route in order to to see where we will need to pass, where are the different options, and uh, to have a look on that. And also, because we will not be able to do everything before, but for sure we'll need to take a lot of time to check the route on uh, on Google Earth on on the on the application like CU and XA uh, XA contest uh, just to have a look where we can go from where we can travel in flight or where it's difficult or everything and after that for sure it will be the training physical training part for him that it will what take do you long think time. is the most uh, what do you think is the thing that makes Tangi most nervous what what do you think he's most concerned about at this stage mm, I think the airspace <laughs> ah. the airspace is something that it's quite uh, can be tricky uh, yeah. that uh, you need to be very careful with that uh, I think physically he, he will be ready he's already well prepared he's already perhaps not ready on everything but uh, I'm sure that it will be ready for, for the start. Uh, after the XP, we have seen few few things that we need to improve, that you need to train more, for example, in the flat, and when it's need to, we need to, to go down by walking and it's not flyable. So it's something that you know, you know now that you need to train more than before. But uh, he has a trainer, correct? He, yeah, he has, he's he's working with a professional. Yeah, yeah he he's working with a professional now, so it will be better for him because before he was doing his training plan uh, by itself. So now he he will have some more help for for doing that. But as I said, hey, so the I'll, space will be tricky. You know what? I I'll uh, you know that was always something that made me really nervous because. As you've seen the last couple of weeks flying over here, we don't deal with airspace. We yep. don't have airspace that we have issues with. I mean, there are, there are places, you know, out in Southern California where they really have to deal with airspace. But where I live in Idaho, we don't have any. We've got to worry mm -hmm. about 18,000 and that's it. So that's pretty easy. So I was always really worried about airspace and the X-Alps also because it's gotten a lot harder, yeah. you know, and in the early years, they didn't really care about the national parks and the, mm -hmm. you know a lot of the things that they really do now, and you can get penalized harshly for it. But um, do you either of you use the Fly Sky High app on your phone? Um, what we use now, we have the the Navitor application, CU, uh, CU Navigator. That yeah. is really nice to see the the airspaces. Okay. So it's something um, that we start to use this year, and it's really good tool. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would just say whatever device you're going to use that that's 
super critical, especially just leaving the Geisberg, you know, the yep. Geisberg up to, going south down towards Wagrine. There's, there's a whole bench of air spray space mm -hmm. there, but the fly sky high has this side view mm -hmm. that uh, I've talked about before on the show, but it's, it's a, it's an extra little map view that you can put in your map screen that has the side view and it shows you flying along mm -hmm. and, and then it shows the airspace in front of you. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it shows if it's down below you or above you and it makes it so visual because the, the hard thing with me, at least with airspace is if it just has an alarm or if it's saying, you know, 500 or 200 meters until the ceiling and all those kind of things, it's hard for me to visualize it and yeah. I can get really confused. Um, but if you have that side view, it, and I, I don't know if XC Track has it. I'm not sure. But... I think XC Track <clears throat> have it, yes. But CU, we don't have this uh, this option. It's very nice to see in 2D. But for sure, yeah. if X, uh, your application, it's much better for that. And it's cool. something that can help a lot. It just makes it, I've never, I've never, you know, there's been many times I've had to get really close to airspace, but I can see it, you yeah. know, and it just, it makes it, it, it really makes it much easier. I remember in the 20... 19 race toby and i both left lermoose pretty much together <clears throat> and uh on our way to davos and we he hit airspace and got a big penalty and i just flew right underneath it you know i could just see it every time i got kind of close i'd either just big ears or full bar and a couple you know a couple spirals real, real quick but you know he could have sworn that he it was and it's an area we really know it's a, it's an obvious one, you know, it's a CTR, you can't hit it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that makes it really nice. I would encourage something like that, especially because if you're, if you're tired, you know, the other thing that we would do is each morning Revis would draw the airspaces or just have them, you know, from the file and put them in my pocket, the ones I had to worry about that day. So that, mm -mm. you know, I could literally be in flight. And if I was nervous about something, I could just pull out a real piece of paper and, and see it on there. And that helps too, just because again, you're, when you're tired, you're sometimes not thinking very clearly about yeah, yeah, it's, that stuff. yeah, it's something that we have seen also in the XPR because we, one day we have, I was not with, I mean, not close to Tongi, and I was checking the route, and I was checking uh, the live track, and I said I had to call Tongi very, very fast because I was, yeah, hey, Tongi, you will enter in the airspace, and he didn't, so it's so we we need to check very well the route and where are the potential airspace that you can cross, and yeah, something that I mean, in the last tricky. race, you know, Aaron Duragati hit that one basically in his home. Mm -hmm. And it, it it really can it really can get you. It's it's nice to have, you know, just each day part of our. Here's a couple other tips. When we do our briefing for the day, mm -hmm. we never do it first thing in the morning because everybody's not awake. You know, yep. Tangy's going to get up and hit the road. You've already planned that out from the night before. You know, so you've planned it out from the night before what the morning walk and the morning glide is, and and so he's just it's basically just handing him his stuff and the map go, yep. and then your you the team can have coffee and that and then when you have your breakfast or when you meet with them again and everybody's awake, you know, at eight or eight thirty or something, then you can have the the briefing, you know, the weather briefing, and then that's where usually Revis would give me the the airspace too. Cause I'd be more fresh, you know, yep. if you're talking about it at the wrong, you know, either the night before when you're exhausted or first thing in the morning when you haven't woken up, then nothing gets in. Mm -mm -mm. 
Uh, sure, sure. So you have been with Niviak for how long? Oof, long time. <laughs> um, I'm with Niviak. I mean, uh, I fly with them since nearly all time. Uh, my father is quite a good friend from Dominique, the boss of Niviak. And uh-huh. uh, I did as SIV the certification of the Coyote, uh, the smallest size Coyote of the first Coyote. Uh, when I was 12. Uh, <laughs> one day, in fact, uh, Dominique asked to my father, I need your son uh, because uh, we are missing one light, pi- very light pilot for, for making the certification of this wing. And I know that your son is flying. So uh, <laughs> can you come to Switzerland with Alain Zoller and we will, we will make something like SIV and team will make some manoeuvre. To, to test the wing and like that we can certify the, the small size and wow. it starts a bit like that uh, at the beginning really so yeah. you've been a test pilot since 12 yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first time that I was close to them and then I continue uh, I mean for the competition I start competition at 16 and I was already with the with the team at this time and uh, and after that um after um, yeah, few few years, very very close to to them, I was testing a bit uh, the competition wing, the prototype. I was around Olivier sometimes, and I did a few internship after my my two two I don't know the word in English, but my two classes uh, of university, mm-hmm. and uh, and after that I start to work full time with them uh, since now it will be five years in uh, in january so yeah quite a long time how old are you now 27 jeez you're young holy cow <laughs> um and you, you've been racing world cups for since 27 uh, about 10 years right so 17 yes 10, 10 years this first world cup uh, was in in val in 2013 i think yeah around a bit less than 10 years and are you still a test pilot for Niviak or yep. it sounds like you're more in harness design? Okay, so you're doing both. You're yeah, if I harness do. Harness design is the main thing? Yeah, I'm doing nearly everything in Niviak. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm mainly working on the harness at this moment uh, for designing. But uh, yeah, I'm testing, a lot. I mean, testing and also working on the trimming of the wing with Olivier quite a lot. So yeah. It's uh, full time. I'm. It's depends of the day, but uh, in general, when it's uh, it's normal day, we are at the office in the morning working on the design on my side on on the harnesses. Olivier is on the wings, and after in the afternoon we are testing and trimming the wing when it's uh, when it's a good condition to fly. It's like normal day. And there's some pretty interesting stuff coming out from the harness side. What, what's yeah. tell me about that? And I mean, I've seen a few little clips come out, but Sounds like some cool harnesses coming out. Yeah, we we just finished uh, the two new um, classical harnesses, pod harnesses. We have one with called the the Oak. It's um, it's a simple pod harness uh, without tail, and we made the the, the same with a tail, and uh, it's based on the same harnesses, and we just exchange back. And uh, yeah, this is two really nice harnesses that we are working on since few years. So now we we can say that they are they are ready they are in production, 
and uh, we try to make something very comfortable with a moderate weight. It's not a very light harness, but it's around four kilo for the medium size. Uh, using quite no, it's I will not say quite, but because it's durable harness, uh, durable mm -hmm. material. Sorry, and it's uh, the frame we made something quite rigid uh, in order to have something uh, stable. And uh, to have the feeling that even with a light harness, I mean with a four kilo harnesses, uh, where you can have the feeling of a competition harness. I mean, you are very close to the harness. Everything is 3D modeling. Uh, the bag, the seat, and everything is work a lot with 3D shaping everywhere. And uh, the frame is very comfortable and uh, and stable for this kind of harness. So yeah, it's. I think we have nice products with that. And this is the comp harness? No, it's not the competition harness. It's uh yeah, it's uh, the hawk and the arrow will be for cross country pilots. Wow. And uh, and we are working uh on a very more aerodynamic aerodynamical harness, uh which is called the Drifter 2. Um hmm. and this one we will have some pre serial version at the super final for the team pilot. And you will have one. <laughs> and uh, yeah it's uh it's a much more aerodynamic harness uh completely closed it's not the same concept as the submarine it's not inflated but we are full closed and uh we work a lot with a uh, 3d simulation and uh to, to optimize the shape to optimize the thickness of the harness the shape of the tail and uh, we have something that is very performance and uh, also very comfortable. So that's why we we also we are also super happy about uh, this point. So yeah, we have many many projects working on on this uh, on this harness part. We are working also on uh, XL harness that you you probably have seen last week that uh, I was yeah, playing with. Nice. It's uh, also a nice one. Uh, it will be called the Arrow Plume. Uh, it's based on the on the on the harness that we just presented at the copy car, the the one with the tail, the arrow, but uh, in light version we are around one point five kilo for the moment, and nice. uh, it's really really comfortable. Few things to fix, but uh, I'm really happy about the results that we have already. So I will work with uh, on this project on the next week when I will be back in France, uh, in Switzerland. Sorry. And, and, How long does it take to go from concept of a harness to delivery? It just seems like an incredibly complicated piece of kit. Yeah, it depends of which project you are, and depending of um, it depending of many things. In fact, um, for example, this competition harness we are working on it since few years, but. Um, we had also some projects that we had to finish before, so yeah, it's always tricky to to manage to have to work on many projects in the same times. But um, now we have a very powerful tool at the uh, at the factory. Before it was quite, I will not say complicated, but it was difficult to be fast. And now with the new factory in Vietnam, uh, we have uh, just an incredible team there that works very fast they are super efficient and they have a huge knowledge on this uh, mm. on this part so um, we are much faster than before uh, we also have one team in Spain that can work also on research um, 
I mean, for the form, uh, for for the competition on this, that helps us a lot for the research, and we can win a lot of time. But uh, yeah, developing one harness is a long task. Uh, when it's a string harness like the Romer P that we have, uh, it's few pieces of fabric, so it will take t- less time to to make the pattern. But when it's a complex harness like the Drifter or the Arrow, you have thousand and thousand pieces that you need to 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 create to match to to sync and it takes a lot of time to adjust to when sometimes you have some wrinkles you need to change a bit the the shape of the curve of i don't know many things so it it takes a lot of time and it's much more manual job than you can do with a wing with a wing uh, for sure it takes time but um, the software is doing the 3d of the um, of the wing and it exports the 2d panels and the 2d panels we we send them to the factory they do the nesting they cut the wing and they sew uh, on the on the harness you need to create the pattern um, from yourself it's not the software that creates the pattern so um, it takes a lot of time and you can have many things to adjust and also the movement of the fabric and the tension from one webbing to another fabric or something uh it will have also some difference when you have a different setting from one pilot to another with different mm. morphology or you need to to make a compromise between everything and you need to match everything so it's quite complex and but it makes it super interesting and what about a wing you know so from say the the Evox to the X1. How what? How many prototypes is between those two typically, or between you know the Arctic Five and the Arctic Six, or you pick it. Is it is it always just little changes? Because you know the X1 was a big change. It depends. Um, for example, on the Evox, uh, we were working for many years uh, it was a very a very difficult uh, difficult task to to find a good compromise to to adjust everything because we we had to learn a lot uh, and it was also the first moment that we were working uh, really with a with a simulation software so do we so we we had to try to see what how, how it was working between the software, the simulation, and the reality. So for the Evox, we did, I don't remember how many prototypes. Um, it was very, very long task because we, we learned a lot, in fact. And with the X1, it was quite different because we, we had this, new, this knowledge uh, that, we, that we learned during the Evox development, but we push everything higher. I mean... We, we push the aspect ratio, we push uh, the number of cells, we push also different thing in different things in the in the airfoil. And it was faster. But now we, we, we made a huge step between the Evox and the X1. And now with the new the new version of the competition wing, uh, it's difficult to find the better compromise on everything. We have new things that are improved. I drive in speed on some prototypes. We are faster. 
or we are gliding better or but we need to to find the good compromise to be better in everywhere and this is something that it's quite difficult for the moment because yeah we need to find the new things that it it help us to to find yeah the best compromise for be to be better than the x1 we have few things interesting but uh it's not ready for the moment so yeah it's depend of the prototype depend of uh, the wing we are working on sometimes it's fast sometimes it's long um uh, sometimes we are starting from a new page um uh, sometimes we are taking one the, the previous version that we try to to improve according to what we have seen or what the customer said okay there is too much rolly or there is uh the wing is really good in turning but we feel that we can do better on that or we we need to have more performance so it depends we we are never yeah fixed on something it's depending of the of the wing the project or it's uh it's what is what is a test pilot what does being a test pilot look like for you do you say you know often you guys are working in the office in the morning working on design or working on the software and that kind of thing and then in the afternoons if it's flyable you go fly mm-hmm. i see you know for example you and tangy whenever i saw this for the first time down in argentina when you came into goal one day you were both kind of doing this crack back it wasn't really a tail slide it was just kind of revert verse horseshoe just all the way down to the ground and i came over whoa man, that was well that was wicked I, i've never seen people just do that down to the ground it was kind of this little helicopter move um and uh and i said should i do that on my evox and you said no no, no don't do it on that one it was the prototype x1s but but uh what are you just kind of doing acro all day or no. what? I, I don't know what is a what does a test pilot look like in test pilots, there is, I mean, few things. You have first, um, when you receive the prototype, you need to, to fly it. You need to, to just to, to feel the wing, to, to see how it's working, to, uh, how it's sensitive or just fly, fly the wing to see how it is. Then after you need to trim to, to check, um, the speed or if it's, for example, the center is too fast or the tips are too slow or you need to trim the general, yeah, the general trimming of the wing. Uh, after you have the brakes, uh, that are also a huge part, part of the job. Uh, if you want something that turns more flat or something that turns more, uh, with a big or smaller radius or something with light pressure on the handle or something a bit more. Or... And so this is, yeah, the second part uh, that you need to, to trim on the wing and to, to, to do what you want with the wing. Uh, what is the objective of the wing? Uh, and what you are doing with that will define the, the character of the wing and um, also the performance for sure. And after uh, you have the the certification, the maneuvers that you need to uh, to test to see how it's working, how the, how the wing is, uh, what is the comportment of the wing when something is goes wrong. For example, when you are doing some front collapse or some asymmetric or some stalls or uh, or all these kind of things, you need to test it, even if it's not the final prototype uh you need to test it it's um 
it's something that is really important when you are making the development. Um, okay, you are trimming the brakes, for example, uh, but what you are doing with the brake can have an influence on the results of the test of the spiral, spiral for example. When you are doing the test of the spiral, for example, if you want an A, uh, ENA wing, uh, when you are doing the test, the wing must exit in less than one turn. Uh, if you want to have an ENC or an ENB, it must exit in less than three turns. Uh, oui, I think, yeah, it's, it's in three turns. And if you are doing something with a brake, uh, the brake will have an influence of this uh, in this uh, compartment. So um, even as I said, it's not the final prototype and this prototype will not go to the certification because you will have some more improvement later with the second prototype. You need to test that and you need to have a look on the compartment on all the, all the maneuver because if something is not working on this prototype, if you do something the same on the next prototype, it will not be right. So we'll, you will not be able to pass a certification at the end. So yeah, you need to, to fly the wing, you need to trim the wing, and you need to test the wing in different maneuver and different condition. When I think about test pilots, there are always guys like you, the really, really good pilots that have a ton of hours and they're testing all the time. Is that how do you how do you change your brain or even do you need to when you go from an X one to a coyote? Yeah. Uh, how do you, I mean? It would seems to me like you know an ENB pilot should fly a coyote to know what it's like. How do you know what it's like when it's you know it's it's such a basic wing for you? Do you still have that kind of? I guess what I'm asking is what makes a good test pilot? Do they really have to be the kind of the best pilots in the world? No, I don't think that it needs to be the best pilot in the world. For me, it needs to be, uh, yeah, you need to be able to switch, as you said, from one X1 to uh, to a Coyote, and you need to, to be able to, to be in the skin of the pilot that the wing will be designed for. So mm. it's something that is interesting that, yeah. You need to feel what is the objective and what the wing must give you as feedback, or and you need to, yeah, to feel the different things in the brake, and you need to understand all these kind of things. You don't need to be the best world top pilot. It's uh, for me, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not the objective. But you need to be able to switch from everything. You need to. To feel confidence with uh, all the wings you are flying, and uh, you need to understand the wing. You need to to understand how it's working also because one uh, one part is uh, is testing, is flying, but you need to see uh, uh, how you can change the different things or what you can do for correcting this problem or this this kind of things. Uh, what I like. Uh, I'm I'm working a little bit on the design of the wing, not often, but I'm working a little bit on it. And for me, it's very important to to make the parallel between what you see in flight, uh, what you see on the on the software, and what are the possibilities you have uh, to change. Uh, what can you do, uh, or even if it's not talking about the character or the comportment of the wing. Uh, sometimes when you have a wrinkle or something uh, on the wing that you want to correct, 
you need to think about how is the internal structure of the wing because you see the external part but there is also something very important inside uh, I mean the tension bands the diagonals and the internal construction have also an influence of the of, on the wing um, so it's important to be able to to make the parallel on, on all these kind of aspects how do you not just get on a coyote and launch and just rag it to death and just collapse? And I would think it'd be so fun to just beat it to death. <laughs> yeah, it's quite fun when you are doing testing. When I'm going to Villeneuve for testing over the lake, it's always fun when you're, I mean, when you are with Simple Wing, you are going like that. Okay, that's fun. And we go, we take the A pool and make the collapse. When it's more complex wing like uh, X one, yeah, you are a bit bit more stress, a bit more stressed, but uh, it's still fun. It's, I like it. <laughs> um, tell me about that when you when you're testing the X one, you know, just knowing they're they're harder to recover. Do you still do do you are you are you more nervous about it, or you've done it so much that it's it's still just not a big thing? No, I mean, no, you all... know how they you know, it's going to behave. Even if you you are used to it, or when you are working on it since uh, since long time, uh, I'm not working on it since very long time, but I'm doing it. Um, you are still nervous when it's this kind of wing, uh, because you 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 know that okay, perhaps the wing have a re- very good comportment, but if you do something wrong, it will go bad. So yeah. um, when I'm doing in general, it's uh, I'm starting with trim trim speed collapse, with front side collapse and everything, and then I'm going to push a bit more, a bit more, a bit more until okay now I'm at the limit, I'm full speed, and now I need to be very concentrated to follow the mark, to do the correct uh, collapse uh, following what we need, and I don't I have to yeah to stay to the mark and don't want to go too much because if I do, for example, uh, not a 75% asymmetric collapse, but 80 or 85 or 90%, I know that, yeah, the results will be a huge, uh, huge, uh, huge turn or something. So, yeah, you need to be precise, you need to be concentrated and uh, to think, yeah, to be careful when you do it and uh, yeah, it's important. What I'm hearing from other people people like you who are test pilots or just, you know, really good acro pilots who are also good XC pilots or also just pilots that have been around for a long time is that the, what they're seeing potentially is, is quite a big risk is the, you know, the peak fives, the Xeno twos, the, the, the END two liners that are, you know, amazing wings um, and very fast and, but also quite stable, you know, they're, yep. they're big the two liners these days. We just, we don't see the blowouts that we did back in the open class and, mm. and, you know, 10 years ago and 15 years ago. Um, but people that are flying them um, almost get too comfortable with that. You know, they're, 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 they're aware. They, they know that if something goes bad, they have to they have to react appropriately, but many don't have the skills to. Yeah. That it's just 
you know, because they don't, because they're so collapse resistant mm. that when it happens, it's kind of a big surprise. And often we're a little bit late mm. in, in, in the inputs. Yeah, it's something that it's, uh, yeah, for sure, when you have a two-liner wing, you feel it more compact, more stable because uh, the repartition of the line and and the construction of the wing, it's more compact. You have more room for it inside and you feel more... At the beginning, you feel that the wing is more stable, um, but you will still need to be uh, good under it to be aware about uh, what can happen. And yeah, for me, what is really important when you are flying this kind of wing, it's to fly them quite often and also uh, to, to make SIV uh, when you can, you can make few few days over the lake and doing stalls and to make, yeah, to see what you can do with your wing, what can be the reaction and like that you are aware and you know what you can do and what are your, your capability i don't know if it's mm -hmm. i can say it in knowledge. english yeah. uh, what is your knowledge and yeah it's important to know what you can do and you and to train on this kind of wing if you weren't a test pilot if you were just a pilot and you know you were doing a few world cups a year and uh, you know trying to do well how much siv would you do for me uh what i like to do uh it's to do one siv before the season uh, in general, with the French team, we are doing one in in April or end of March, like that. We are yeah, we are ready when the condition are starting and the condition and the competition are, are starting also. Um, so yeah, for me, if you do one good SIV uh, at the beginning of the season, it's it's the best. It's the best. And what would you do? What are you doing on your X one in SIV? Um, mainly I do stalls, um, what I try to do in general, I'm starting with flat stall. I mean, from straight flight, just one stall trying to, to recover quite fast, uh, like that. And after I try to, to make one stall, recover, do, do a stall again to try to have more, more dynamic. Uh, mm -hmm. and I try to do them as fast as possible and as clean as possible like that you know mm -hmm. that okay you are st you are um, it make like kind of simulation of uh, okay you are in a stressful moment because you are just exiting from uh, from a stall and uh, you need to uh, to exit from the stall very fast it's like when you are in normal condition you had a collapse or you have a cravat or something and you are not so high and you need to exit very fast so this is something that I like to do. As I said, I start from stall, from flat stall, and then I make few stall one after the other. And also, I'm doing also um, spin. Spin is also interesting to to recover because you are stalling on one side, you are turning, you need to block. Uh, if you can block and you can exit from the back or from the front, um, but it's something interesting to to understand, but asymmetrically. Um, and um, I'm not doing collapses with this kind of thing because it's difficult. You need to put the the folding line. It's not easy to do. And uh, yeah, if you don't know how to do the collapses with this kind of kind of wing, 
it's not very useful and you can be surprised and it's not the objective. So you're talking about, you're talking about like asymmetric frontals and stuff. Yeah. You're asymmetric talking... on, or frontal collapse. You need to, because if you pull the A uh, on this kind of wings, you will never find a way to collapse. There is too much pressure yeah. and you will not be able to, to make any collapse. You need to make uh, the same as you, as we do for testing. We, we add one, one light in front more in front of the A uh, that can help you to, to make the collapse. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, you said your dad, your, you said your dad was, uh, uh, is he still a pilot? Did you learn from your dad? Yeah. My, my, my father is, uh, is pilot and he also have a paragliding school in South of France. And ah, he's still working. That? Yeah. Sorry? Wicked. That's one of my favorite towns. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful little place. Yeah, yeah. But you're in Verbier now full time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I was born in uh, in south of France. Uh I grew up in Barcelonette. And uh, my father has the school close to uh, to Laragne. Uh it's ah. quite a while, quite a well known place in uh, in south of France. Yeah, that's a and, great place. And now yes, I'm living in Switzerland in Verbier uh, where we have the R&D office. Is Tangi a test pilot too? Tangi is working a little bit with us uh, sometimes. Uh, he's not full time with us, but uh, I'm flying with him uh, when we are working on the X1. Um, now we also have one one young pilot that start to work with us in Nivuk. Uh, it's Louis Gutani, and he's helping us also a lot for for testing the wing and uh, because. When you are testing the, the the competition wing, it's yeah. You as I said, you have the the feeling part, you have the trimming part, and the test. But something that it takes a lot of time, and it's really important it's to do the comparison, uh, to fly mm -hmm. side by side to see uh, if the wing is working well in this condition or not in in another one, or if the wing is faster than the previous version, or and it's something that. It takes a lot of time. For example, this winter we went to to Colombia with Tangi. Uh, we spent one full week just doing comparison with uh, with prototype of ice peak. Uh, you you compare at trim speed, you compare at middle speed, you compare at full speed, uh, in moving air, in calm air, and also in thermaling if to see if one wing is climbing better than another one. Uh, you are also comparing the the stability at full speed. And um, yeah, this is something that takes a lot of time, and this is very, very important to do it uh, properly and to to take care about everything around that. And yes, Tangi is helping us uh, a lot since few years uh, for this kind of task, um, as well as Louis and Olivier. But uh, um, the last year and yeah, the last two years, I, I spent a lot of time with Louis and uh, and Tangi working on the ice peak uh, for testing and trimming uh, this thing. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And uh, you know, this year you guys are going to be pretty wrapped up with the X Alps and stuff. Yeah. But I'd love to hear about your own personal goals. How do you? You've been you've been flying since you were awful young. How do you kind of approach your own uh, improvement and? World Cup, is are the World Cups big to you, or what's what's kind of the stuff that gets you excited about flying? 
Yes, for me, uh, I'm still still very excited about uh, flying the World Cup and doing good results. Uh, last year was a good year for me. Uh, this year, uh, the first year, first part of the year was really good. I made my first, my my best result in World Cup in in Colombia. So um, I'm still really motivated for that, and it's still one of my biggest goals. It's to to perform better in uh, in in World Cup, but uh, yeah, I'm also looking for for the six the six Alp uh, to be on another side. It's totally different for me, but trying to to make my best uh, and to see what I can do and help uh, the, for the team for Tangi and. Uh, yeah, it's is another goal, and also as we did uh, this week, I I love taking picture and video and some crazy shots uh, in different places. So yeah, competition, Xalp, and images. It's something that I like a lot, and it's what what I like when I'm flying. So. Yeah, you take amazing images. You're you're one of my favorites to follow on Instagram. <laughs> you know, pictures are are gorgeous. Um, Tim, thanks, man. Thanks for coming all the way over the pond and uh, and racing with us and spending some time with us. I hope you enjoyed the some American uh, hospitality. And yeah. uh, we got to give a shout out to Bill Belcourt. I know you've been running around in the in the blue ice van the last yeah. week or so, which has been very cool. I know I've seen all the pictures of that. It looks like you guys, I think you wrote me that you're living your best life. Yeah, as I <laughs> said, yeah, that, no, that for sure. Great. It's uh, well, just <laughs> if I can ask, add something, it's just, uh, yeah. After these two weeks, I'm just uh, impressed about the hospitality of, all you guys in US because it was just incredible. I, I can't imagine how. Yeah, for me it was just the best welcome ever uh, on on the earth. You welcome us like <laughs> kings, and it was just so nice. We well, we gotta we gotta nice take days. care of you guys. It's our uh, it's it's our it's our pleasure. Uh, you know, US doesn't get a lot of things right. We're pretty <laughs> good at that. So we we would look forward to doing it again. And uh, I'm glad you guys had fun. And it give my so best nice. to Tangi. I wish you guys the best luck with uh, with preparation and the X Alps. And mm. reach out if I can help with anything. But thanks, man. Thanks for coming over and. Uh, sharing the stoke. Yes, thanks a lot. See you. Thanks everyone. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription and it makes all of this possible. I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that 
uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear we don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account. Of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully in a, you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But you'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, t-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. And you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you.